I don't I don't like when when nothing we've talked about can go in the intro. But literally nothing we've talked about can go in the intro, except oh, for me joking yeah. about that we could do an hour um, on Tony Bennett and uh, and Nick Saban. But other than that, yeah, I think I still think that the where, what would Tony Bennett statue be th- thinking? The contemplative statue be thinking about? Would it be would have really to be him cutting topic. down the net after the Purdue game, right? Like ah, where he's screamed? like screaming. Yeah, I mean, like really what else? He doesn't have like an iconic pose. No, he's the the one of... after the championship though, the one that ran in all the newspapers, the very like you know he's holding it up and he's got the that'll be the that'll be the thing that's on his enshrinement. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, he, he's still a coach. We should shut up. CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, Source Virginia Sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 10th. Um, spoiler alert, we did not <laughs> record a podcast last week, mainly because um, at least two of your three fearless hosts were not in a position to do that. Um, some of us had strep throat and sinus infections, and some of us were worried about appendicitis and all kinds of fun stuff anyway we are back um there's been plenty of basketball things asterisks double dagger um to discuss and um that is what we are going to endeavor to do this here evening before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first in fisherville board moderator du jour himself david spence on the show how's it going my friend hey i'm not announcing my retirement tonight don't want to take anything away from nick saban um Never beat Virginia. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. Well, that's a relief. Is it X um, now? No, we've we've never we've never changed, and we're not going to. And in Charlottesville, staff right, excuse me, uh, editor in chief um, himself, Justin Ferber, is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Man, try to demote me. I tried to demote um, you like live in front of people. I mean, I probably deserve it. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, congrats to Nick Saban. I love the quit asking sound bite. It's one of my all time favorites. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. I, I Cavs Corner also went through Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I personally am am really curious. I mean, I know like this is um, this is obvious, right? But like we were talking about this earlier, like the number of dominoes are going to have to fall now, um, because if you if, if you think about who is likely to take a job like Alabama's job, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, of opening, right? Um, and you, there are NFL jobs available. Michigan might be open too. So there's a whole. There, I mean, it's going to be a really weird couple weeks. Um, so um, college football trying to get like uh, like the NBA, where the off season is more interesting than the on field product or on court product in that um, situation. Anyway, also of, people think you're going to talk about football now, so like you're probably going to get like assassinated on Twitter. Um, going to be like, what are you doing? But the okay, you guys want to talk mean, about basketball? We're I, about to do it. <laughs> I let off with saying we're going to talk about basketball. Um, this is not, you know, how, you know what's the what's the scene? You know, how's it? You know, not great, Bob. Um, 
it's been a rough few weeks, I think, for Virginia. Coming back all the way to that Memphis loss um, where they got pretty um, pretty well routed, right? I mean, it was not good. 77-54 in Memphis. They came back. They beat the crap out of Morgan State, which, you know, that and 50 Cent get you Coke. Then they go to Notre Dame in a, in a game that I still can't really wrap my mind around. I think Notre Dame is probably better now, looking back on it, considering some of the results we've seen. They're probably better than I assumed they were at the time, but I don't think they're remotely good. Um, but they beat Virginia 76 to 54. Virginia came back home, beat the crap out of Louisville. But again, that in 50 cent will get you a Coke, though apparently Miami can't do that. Anyway, and then so then they go down to Raleigh and lose by 16 in a game that wasn't really that close. Virginia kind of cut it um, pretty pretty tight there at the end but in a lot of ways that thing was was over for most of the second half um and i i don't i don't think that it's it's worth or let me rephrase i don't think it's a good use of our time to try to like diagnose everything that's ever gone wrong for them but i do think it's important to talk about sort of where this team is i I don't think you can just write the season off dave and i don't know if there are people out there who are seriously doing that i know there are some out there who would always do that because that's you know burn it all down people but in general I, I i am concerned um and and i use that word purposefully i'm concerned that what we're seeing is is a trend that it's not these are not blips and not in the sense of like oh this team is not going to be uh what we thought they were um not that it's you know this team isn't gonna isn't gonna be like tournament tournament worthy but i mean like this could the way this thing is trending and the fact that that's a there's a seems to be a little bit of a free fall here that I'm not sure that they can really sort of pull themselves out of given what we've seen. Um, this could be a legit um, down year. And I don't mean that just in the sense of like, yes, there have been a couple of like down years, but this this is not this is beyond that. Where, you know, where do you, where are you on this whole thing? Where where do you stand? Um, what's your level of concern at this point? I mean, I'm not willing to say it's a program-wide issue. Like, you know, that there's got to be substantial changes moving forward. Um, sports largely come down to the quality of your roster. Um, coaching matters, right? Like, I mean, the way, the way Tony started winning here was, you know, playing, concentrating on defense and running a very efficient offense with less athletes than the teams he was playing had on the floor. Um, and then as, they, as he won, he started being able to add some athletes to it you know, letting them sit on the bench, letting them, you know, get stronger, that kind of thing. Like that's changed. And I think Tony will adapt to that. I think this year though, like you can't argue that this year is a miss. Um, I mean, even the best teams, like there's been some guys that probably couldn't play it on other teams who kind of got helped by the system, right? Like I'm not going to point them out, but there's some guys that weren't ACC athletes. Um, so uh, this roster just has more of them and then they're less experienced in the system. And when things go bad, unlike guys who've been in the system for two or three years, this team just seems to, to let go, uh, let go of the rope, you know? So, you, you know, you look at that NC state game, they were in it until they weren't. And as soon as they're out of it, you know, they've had some, a couple of games where they fought back, but as soon as they hit adversity again, they let go of the rope, if you will. And that's just not a characteristic you've seen from older you know, more veteran Tony Bennett teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a program issue if that can't ever be a thing again. Um, but I think it's too early to say that. I mean, this will be, you know, Virginia hadn't had a losing ACC season in 13 years, I think it is now. Whereas like Duke and Carolina have had one in the last five. So what we've seen the past 15-ish years is 
abnormal for any program. Um, so we're due for a bad season and, you know, there's still plenty of season left. I just, I don't have much confidence this team is going to win 11 or 12 games in the ACC, barring some, you know, dramatic improvement from the guys who are playing. So, right. like, I mean, I think your hope if you're a Virginia fan is like Tony Bennett's not an idiot. We know how competitive he is. Um, and Virginia, like, you know, the NIL piece, like there's levels of NIL, right? And I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the weeks to come, but there, you know, Virginia's not not competitive at all in the NIL space. There's just some guys they can't, they won't get involved with. Um, so I think when you factor all that in, like, I don't think Tony's going to throw in the towel like this. I mean, I think when Tony Bennett leaves, he'll probably leave when the program's ticking up, not ticking down. Um, but yeah, it's, I had concerns, Justin and I both, like, you know, if y'all go back to that, I know Justin and I talked about it. We go back to that first podcast we had this year. We were very negative about what we saw against Tarleton State. And I kind of said this team reminded me of 2021. I'd like to apologize to the 2021 team publicly. Um, this team's not that good. And that's just the way it is. It's they're young and they're learning the system and there's too many, too many new pieces for them to be that good at this point. I would also like to go back and apologize for the takes that I had in that very podcast. I think what, what is so, what has been so stark to me since then has been the reality that the team that I thought they were going to be. And the reason I was arguing with you guys that night wasn't so much that it like, I thought Tarleton state was any good. I was going off how, I thought Virginia looked like, a, even though these guys had not played together much, they already looked like they had a pretty good feel. Um, you know, that night they had 15 assists on 23 made baskets, right? I thought that they they looked like they had a good sense of each other. They looked like um, they looked like they hadn't that they, they looked like basically like guys who had not just literally all arrived and and kind of gotten to know each other. In the week since then, though, it's trended in the opposite direction. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I was wrong um, about my take then um, because what I saw then was either fool's gold, a flash in the pan, or both, right? And your point about that is well taken, right? Like they, they have not been able to be in any way, shape, or form cohesive, right? Tony uses the word continuous a lot, or at least he has through the years. And this is just not a very continuous team. They are not able to, um, you know, in terms of defense, like they they really feed off of the mistakes of other teams. And yeah, sometimes they are the they are the catalyst for why those mistakes happen. But they can't just get in, stay in front of a guy and play solid defense and get you stops. Right? They're very good at generating this and doing that. But when those things aren't there, they're not able to just get you a stop. Right? And and I want to and I know there's like a small like a maybe maybe fo- most some folks uh, won't see the the nuance here. I'm not saying that steals and blocks aren't stops. I'm saying that like this team has thrived when they've been able to create uh, extra possessions for themselves in part because they are just simply not efficient, right? Old Virginia, like what I think of as like classic Virginia defense isn't so much about that as much as it is like we're going to make you work and we're going to get a stop. And what I mean by that is you're going to miss a shot and we're going to get the rebound and we're going to take our time up the floor and we're going to do it all over again in 30 seconds, right? That's not this team. 
And I, I think early on, I thought what I saw was the makings of a group that could really kind of be continuous, could kind of come together. And they just simply haven't. And the blowout losses are concerning simply in part, not just because of the number and the way, but also like the, the, rep the repetition, right? What you're seeing is a team that continually finds its way into the same sort of game. And it doesn't necessarily matter what the particulars are, right? Um, in this game, you know, NC State, um, you know, was not, um, I, I didn't think NC State was especially like super talented. They presented some matchup problems and such, but realistically, a lot of this came down to, um, do just not being able to stay in front of guys. Um, and offensively, they're just not able to generate enough opportunities for their offenses, like leveraging some sort of advantage. And for, I, I think it, you know, we're, I'm not a big believer that everything has to be some sort of referendum on the program. I know that there's a lot of that out there and I, and I get it. That's kind of been the way Virginia's um, you know, the, the conversation around Virginia has been for a long time, pre championship, post championship in between. Right. But in terms of this season, the referendum on this team, it's not looking great. Um, what, what are some of, some of your takeaways from the uh, last few weeks and some of your, what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you guys hit on a lot of it. I think that the sort of the, you know, after the NC State game, I thought about, you know, what what's driving this? And, and there were a couple of things. But then when I looked at those issues, and you mentioned some of them with the defense, and there's some issues conversely on the offense that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about. But, you know, th there are a few problems, but they're sort of born of the larger problem, I think, which is like this team like and, and i said this in the piece i wrote you can be perfectly happy to be optimistic or, or like the players on the roster there's nothing wrong with that i like a lot of the players on this roster like their long-term potential but it does feel like they're missing something right and maybe multiple somethings um and you know i think that was some of what our concern was in the preseason was like this team is is kind of like um designed to be good at a few things, but like, I'm not sure that they're going to get there um, or like be elite at those things to make up for their weaknesses or deep enough at certain positions to make up for any issues they might have. And that was before, you know, we sort of understood what Jordan minor was, you right. know, we thought at that point, like he was going to be a bigger part of things. Um, and if I had known that I would have been even less optimistic, you know, because we were kind of already worried about like, what are you going to do in the front court if you have fouls or an injury or anything? And what ended up happening was the guy that I thought was going to play a lot didn't even end up playing. So you might as well, he, he might as well have been hurt this whole time. Um, anyway, like I think, you know, you're a team that like, if you just look at the construction of the team, I, I wrote this in the piece, you can only, you only have one guy that can really consistently go create a shot with the basket, like all putting the ball on the floor and going and doing that. And that's free speak. Um, now other guys can do it here and there, but I mean, if you're watching these games, like they're almost like stumbling into some of these shots, like when they're dribbling, you know, pulling up and stuff like that. And they've been taking a lot of those shots. Um, cause they're kind of getting run off the three point line, but, um, McNeely is a good shooter. Grove has been a pretty good shooter, but you know, like I wrote in the piece, he, he only takes like two or three a game. So like, you're not going to get a lot of points off that. Um, other than that, they don't really have a lot of guys that are, are shooters. Um, Rody didn't have a great shooting year last year. He got a lot of his points on twos. Um, 
So you can't, you're not really designed. If you're a live by the three, die by the team three team, because you don't have like a post presence or guys that can get to the rim, you didn't really collect a bunch of shooters for your roster. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's like, what is this team really good at when they get up against really good competition? I think what you've seen is that they've had success against teams that aren't very good because when things, when, when you're playing those teams, it's just easier to kind of get your shots. It's easier for those teams who aren't used to winning to have lapses on the defensive end. And, you know, a lot of these games have been at home where UVA is clearly more comfortable. And I think, I think the youth is a bigger problem than maybe I realized earlier in the season. And I think Dave kind of hit on it. Like it feels like when they've hit some adversity um, on the road, they've had trouble kind of like sustaining. And the one thing that I did see that I liked in the NC state game versus the Notre Dame game was the effort. I thought in the yeah, Notre Dame game, they looked, they looked like they were sleepwalking. Yeah. Um, and they ended up getting down like 25, 30 points. And a lot of the issues they were having on defense were like just losing guys on screens, not rotating quick enough, not getting to the spots quick enough. And I think that's like a combination of like the newness of the scheme and like all the new pieces, um, athleticism, and then just like knowledge of where you're supposed to be. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the referendum piece, I think it's interesting to talk about that because like this team is sort of built to develop over multiple years, but if you're a program like Virginia that's now won a national championship, I doubt that Tony was like, I'm going to take this year to like rebuild the team. Like, uh, you know, you don't really have those opportunities. Like I'm sure Reese Beekman didn't come back to rebuild, you know, for his senior year. Um, and yeah. I'm sure like some of these transfers didn't come here to like rebuild. So I think you reload with the portal, but they just didn't hit on the guys. It seems like, and I do think that there's still a long way to go and, and maybe they can find a way to maximize and, you know, right. maybe they're not great, but they're better. Um, right. But I think that fundamentally, like if you look at this roster compared to other teams, like I'm watching Carolina and NC state right now, like they just don't have the dudes. I feel like. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Dave, Dave, let me, let me toss this to you. Yeah. Ferber just made an interesting point. He's talking about guys in the portal and hitting. I would actually offer a counterpoint, which is I think to the, to, to the staff, they did hit in the portal. I think that these are the guys that they did want. And I think that the way they've all fit together, though, has just not worked. So it's not so much that they didn't hit. I think the problem is that they hit in the, in the wrong ways, right? How do you... How would you sort of characterize the way that you look at the transfer guys and how things have come together or haven't come together, I guess, is the case may be? I mean, I think the portal is it's not an exact science, right? I mean, Virginia's had success in the portal, but there's also guys that didn't work out that Virginia's gotten out of the portal. So I think a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> or like you, a good number of them. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all easy to point out like Anthony Gill and, you know, the ones who really did well, but we don't talk about the ones who didn't, you know we built a whole team around Austin Nichols that didn't work out too well. Right. Um, so there's, there's always failure in, in the portal. Um, I mean, I was going to say like, I was thinking about this team, you know, if it's not a referendum, then it means this year just isn't what they, you know, I'm sorry, that kind of said that wrong, but if you want to look at it as a single season thing, the question I had was, well, how did they get to this roster? Right. So it's not like they had a lot of unexpected losses from last year's team. Um, they had some, right? I mean, I don't think Isaac Trout makes this team dramatically better this year. Right. So you can't. You can they sort of replaced him, him with Groves. If I yeah. mean, like, I can't imagine he'd be like much better than Groves. He might be better defensively than Groves is, 
Um, but I, I think it's pretty close. And, like and Groves has played a lot of basketball. So yeah, I, mean, I think that helps. And then Caden Shedrick would definitely help this team. The the um how do I want to say this? The uh the no drama Caden Shedrick would help this team. And we, we we know there was some of that last year. Um I don't know that drama Caden Shedrick would help this team, but you know, when he's on the court doing his thing, like this team could use it. And I think Ryan Dunn would benefit greatly from having him there. Um so that's a loss that you couldn't anticipate. But they didn't know they were going to have Reese Beekman back. And if he hadn't come back, this team's really bad. Um, now, they might have tried to re- add another point guard to replace him. Um, yeah, you'd so, be starting Dante Harris, I guess. And, yeah. and Christian Bliss maybe doesn't redshirt, or maybe you go get a different guy. Like, So, yeah, I mean, kind of to get back to your original question, Brad, I think if you look at this team, like, I mean, the, the coaching staff picked these guys out, but I think, you know, the transfer portal is always going to be hit or miss. But there really wasn't a whole lot they could have had on this team they didn't. I guess theoretically, Ramon Franklin could have come back for one more year, which honestly would help this team a lot too. But I think it's a blip. Um, I mean, I think the staff's going to have to consider, and I think Rody can still turn out to be a good player in a, in a year or so. Um, and I talked him up at the beginning of the season when he was playing lesser opponents. It's just clear he's not an ACC level athlete. You know, he can't guard the ACC wings yet. Um, and he's just not efficient offensively as he is, but I think he'll develop there. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of, <laughs> I think if you look at what he played before and what minor played before, I think when you look at the portal now, you have to say, all right, we got to find guys who played the level of competition we're going to play. Um, I don't know if it means they're going to hit, but like Jordan minor missing, you know, watch him i mean if he wants to come out and start throwing up double doubles and say we're wrong that'd be great but i mean it's just the the level of athlete we have and we've joked about it in our text there like there's that one picture of uh um gertrude going up for a reverse layup in a game and like everyone's like oh that's a future nba player no that's just an athlete we just haven't had a whole lot of them um not everyone who can jump high is an nba player i don't know if you watch the nba those guys are pretty good they can do more than just jump um, so I think, you know, athleticism has always been an issue, but this team is just, it's kind of accentuated because you've got guys who aren't a plus defenders, especially on the wing, who you have to play because they are guys more likely to score. Um, so it just kind of, it's not a great match. Um, yeah, I think they'll win a lot of games at home. It's just hard to see this team win games on the road, um, without just getting unconscious from three. Yeah. Uh, the you guys mentioned or somebody I don't know which one of you mentioned Austin Nichols but I, I was kind of thinking about him the other day. <laughs> you know well, things are going good when we're relitigating Austin Nichols in January. Right. Well, no, because like if you think about that team, right? Like I don't know if they I don't know if I would say they necessarily built the team around him, but they certainly built the team in a in a way that he was supposed to be a significant portion of it. That team in so many ways needed to happen in order for that group of guys you know the freshmen on that team and the dudes that came after those guys I don't think you get to where you were without going through what you went through right and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to pretend like oh but the Austin Nichols thing ended up being a good thing but I do think that one of the things that was good for the program was its response to losing what was at that time a a cornerstone a a big part of the of the puzzle right and it's clear to me in looking at this team that 
if you look at the roster as it's as it's been built, not to borrow from Dave's thing, but it's it's sentences instead of paragraphs, right? I mean, we talk. I feel like we talk a lot about sentences and paragraphs on this podcast, um, and and I don't I don't mean to to make it seem like that's the only thing that matters, but like some of the ways that these guys don't fit together is very different and it reminds me of some of those some of those pre you know late aught teams right where you just had a bunch of guys and if you look at like if you go back and you look at that roster before Austin Nichols got kicked out right you had Shayok and you had Thompson they were in some ways similar but not necessarily in the ways that you would think that like they could play together right um Thompson and Shayok were not good three-point shooters. They weren't guys that you were, you know, they were guys who wanted to get to the basket, right? All right. On that team, your point guards are Devin Hall and... and um, uh, London, right? Eventually, yeah. yeah, London and eventually Ty, right? Um, London, not exactly the most athletic guy. Devin had good size, but not the most athletic guy. That team had athleticism, but in, in ways that Virginia couldn't necessarily use it, right? Zay... Hell of a forward, not exactly the most athletic guy and a little undersized, right? Credible instincts, you know, you, you want to have him out there. Jared Reuter, um, Jack Saltz, guys who weren't necessarily like, you know, I, I understand how important, yeah, but I understand like Salt was not a guy who was like super athletic, whatever. I mean, I understand he was a cornerstone of that um, championship team because he was setting screens, right? But at that point, you didn't have Kyle Guy and Ty and Dre coming off. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was a different group. And Mommy Diakite, by that point, was just, you know, a young pup. So if you look at that roster and you and you start thinking about this one, well, there's some individually, like in vacuums, you know? Like, McNeely's a hell of a shooter, but he's not very physical in terms of where he how he defends, right? Rhodey seems to be better defensively than he's offensively, and that's probably not a good thing, a net positive for UVA, right? Buchanan is young and he's getting pushed around and that's just sort of the reality, right? Dunn is extremely um, adept at getting the stops he, he can, you know, doing the different things defensively, but he's not exactly a great on-ball guy and he's not, you know, his offense leaves a lot of holes out there for him. Um, and you start to think about sort of the way, you know, with Groves and Minor and how what they, you can almost see like the faint, outline of like what they were trying to do but when you step back and you look at it in totality it's like some of these things they don't they don't fit together early in the season I thought they did or at least I thought they had the potential to it's very clear to me now that like they need to have some sort of change now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the minutes I saw um minor play in Raleigh have made me think that like he should get more time da, 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 da. but all I know is like what they've been doing does not work Unless the team suddenly starts to shoot the absolute lights out of the ball from three. And I'm talking like they probably have to shoot like 50, 45, 50% at least from three, given what we've seen from them defensively to have a shot. Because here's the thing. If you look at this schedule, right, and you look at the teams they're going to be facing in the, in the weeks to come, right, this is not a great ACC year. But even the even like the ACC teams that are good, quote unquote good this year, like what this Wake Forest game on Saturday, right? That Wake Forest team could legitimately go through them like a hot knife through butter, right? Because the Reed kid is really good. Hildreth is very sneaky and good about getting into his spots, right? Um, I, I feel like Wake's got length. They've got 
they've got shooting, they 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 can do a variety of different things and, and make you sort of pay for it. And they're not even full strength right now, right? Like they're <laughs> they like that's a that's a much better team I, I think than 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 what I expected. I'm not just saying that because they won like you know nine games in a row or whatever it was, right? Um, I, I'm saying that just because in general. But that's that Wake team like the we talked about this this weekend, right? I'm watching Clemson and 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 Carolina and like they're so, they're two top you know top teams in the league. They're two you know ranked teams and they're not all that particularly good. And yet I'm worried about what's going to happen when Virginia plays those teams. Because the Virginia team I've seen so far has just not been up uh, to that challenge, and I feel like, you know, it's not it's not that it's not like what we're talking about here is like insurmountable. It just feels inevitable, and I think that's that's the biggest issue. Like the referendum thing on the whole program, blah blah. blah like I, I I think that that like that's just not that's not that's not worth the time right now, right? But I do think it's worth the time to think like in this specific season. What they have to get out of this team, what they have to get out of these guys, what is the comb- what is the magic combination to make them like reach their total like top end potential? And it has to be a, just a crap ton more shooting, not mid range jumpers. I'm talking like three point shooting consistency. Is that realistic? Probably not, right? Like it's just you know you can see like a guy or two here or there, but like as a team, like Beekman is not you know, that comfortable shooter. Rhodey should be a better shooter than he's been, but he's not. Um, even McNeely has really kind of cooled off. You know, he had a nice day in Raleigh, but other than that, you know, he, other than him, I mean, Re- Groves, he comes and goes. Rhodey com- comes and goes. Like, there's not that extra thing. So what is, so how do you solve the problem? Like, what is Tony doing this week? And I guess that's kind of where I want us to focus for a little bit. Like, where do you, where Justin, where do you, God, it's so weird to call you Justin. Forever, where do you feel like? I guess actually, Dave, it's coming back to you. Um, what do you? Th- what? What realistically are they doing during this? Um, you know, bye week, so to speak, before heading down to Winston Salem on Saturday. Like, what? What realistically can they do? What do you think is the is the thing that they could do to reach that or to get closer toward that um, top end potential? I mean, you might not like the answer, but they've got to get better defensively. Uh, I mean, this team is limited offensively. There's no reason to think they're going to come out and become an offensive juggernaut. Um, like, I mean, I, I just found myself thinking while you were talking, like, how would I guard this Virginia team? Like, I think anyone who's ever played any basketball at any level could come up with a plan to guard Virginia. Um, you know, you just sink in and, you know, maybe put a guy out on McNeely, but you don't even worry about anyone else behind the three-point line, even Groves. Like if you, you know, he's just not going to shoot enough to concern you. Yeah. Um, so even like, even with Virginia, you know, even if, you know, um, Beekman starts shooting a little better from three, Rhodey starts shooting a little better from three. You know, Virginia's given up 76, 77, and 76 on the road. Um, and I'm missing one in there, I think too, but, you know, 65 to Wisconsin in the other loss. That was in Fort Myers, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, they still didn't play good defensively there. They were no, a lot of no. breakdowns. Yeah, in Florida, they gave up 70 in a 70, win. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, this team's not going to win many games on the road in the ACC, giving up 70 points, um, no matter how good they are. They don't – A, they don't have enough possessions, and B, they don't have enough three-point shooters. So, I, I think you've got to figure out the best defensive team you can put on the floor with this team. Even if it means off, you know, even if it means you have less three point shooters on the floor, because as you said, the, the ones, you know, I mean, Neela's the only one shooting a good percentage. Groves' percentage is not bad. He just, 
whatever. Let's say grows him immediately. You put him on the floor. I think the other three spots have to be your best defenders, and you just go with it. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna win games giving up seventy points with this roster. So I know it gets old, and people hate hearing it when Tony says like we got to work on the defense. But after watching this team for fourteen, fifteen games, whatever it is now, yeah, that's the way this team's gonna win games. It's gonna have to be low sixties, mid sixties, and this team hitting more threes than they have recently. I 100% agree. I think yeah, I, that's the yeah, only way they're going to yeah. win games. Yeah. Like, I think you have to put the best, probably your best five athletes on the floor. I mean, McNeely has to play because you just have to get the points. Um, and he's fine. He's not, like, bad, terrible defensively. It's just not maybe, like, the strength of his game. But, yeah, I would probably lean more into Buchanan and just let him take his lumps, and at least you have somebody back there. Jim Beheim, actually, I wasn't expecting to do this tonight, but, like, he said something last night during the Duke game that kind of stuck with me. Like, you don't need a rim protector if you can guard man-to-man, like, at the other positions. You need a rim protector if you get beat a lot. And UVA right. UVA needs to keep the guy in front of them, and if they can't get stay in front of them, then you have Buchanan there at least to kind of maybe, you know, protect the rim. But, yeah, I would probably be leaning into the defense and trying to win games in the 50s. Um, the problem is, like, they're not even really close to being able to do that. So That's I don't kind know of where how I was you, coming from, too. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to be able to fix that unless, like Dave said, like you ra- like radically change who's playing. Um, and and maybe you, like, like Leon Bond is playing a lot more um, and maybe, like, at Rhodey's expense maybe. And then, like, Groves maybe doesn't play as much. But see, the problem that you that you get yourself into, though, is, be, again, because of the roster management, which Ferber wrote a, a column on Monday that I think is is really well done and, and kind of does a nice job of laying out the, the situation at hand. But, like, if you put Bond on the floor, you're, you're limiting – he's limited offensively, right? And he's also a bit undersized. And in combination with Ryan Dunn – if you're doing different things, yeah, but like it, it really comes down to yeah, that doesn't work. I mean, like yeah, it's almost like it, it's like if you solve one problem, you're you're popping a hole in. At in least Rody can else. like do, can like dribble and you know like move yeah. around. I genuinely <laughs> I mean, think. This, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. The fact with this lineup is there's only one good man on man defender. Yeah, and that's Reese Beekman. Everyone yeah. else needs help. Yeah. Ryan Dunn, like you can talk about him being defensive all you want. You put him one on one with a guy who's his size, he's been beaten more than not. Like, I mean, he's he's an inconsistent he was... on-ball defender, I would say. Yeah, I would yeah. say he's inconsistent. But he's he not, makes a he's lot of flash like plays. Keel Mitchell level, right? Like no, agreed. Yeah, Keel could, yeah. could shut off somebody's water just like Malcolm could. Where, you know? where Ryan excels is help defense, which in this team, I think there's enough tape now where the other teams know if I drive, Dunn's going to help. I look for his guy on the kick. Yeah, and then you know, when and they, especially when they because a lot of his these guy, you kick it back to the open three. Exactly, a lot of these teams have the guy who ever done is covering is a three point shooter, is a guy who, can, and that that sort of at least at least sort of like gets to the this the heart of the issue. And I don't mean again, this is not a referendum conversation, but like the game is is changed enough now where like everybody shoots threes, and Virginia's out there, you know, in the mid range, and then there's no there's nothing wrong with a mid range jumper here and there. I'm not trying to say that like it's it's the devil but 
when you watch some of these teams, they know like they can plan and they get the matchup they want. And you're right, you 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 can see it time after time where the drive happens. You know where the kick is going to go, and that guy who's shooting that ball is the guy who you want shooting the ball. Whereas a lot of times UVA ends up in a situation where like, oh look, there's Ryan Dunn wide open for three, but that's not that's because the defense wanted that to happen, right? The defense is okay, you know. Real talk, like if you want to slow down UVA, just play a pack line, right? Dare them to shoot the three. Dare these guys to yeah, take looks. That's what they're at, doing, and that's they're exactly what they're off doing. And just like being like, oh, Reese isn't going to beat us to the rim, which like, is historically the defense that everybody's yeah. used it. I mean, like that's one of the reasons why Clemson was always such a tough opponent at times. Virginia would ultimately get them because at the end of the day, like Virginia was more efficient and better at being Virginia than Clemson was at being Virginia. But like pack satelliting off of guys. Uh, daring them to shoot, bunnying up the lane, essentially taking away all the space, and then also doing a good job on the glass. Like that's the that's the recipe for how to beat most Virginia offenses, except for the the two the championship team and the and the one before that, right? Like those yeah. offenses had enough firepower that you couldn't do that, right? And they had enough versatility. And it wasn't because they had some super athlete dude who was catching taking people off the bounce to the rack, right? It was because the ball moved. Watch this offense, man. The ball doesn't move the way it should. There's a lot of like, you know, dudes just sort of dribbling sometimes. And and kind of back to Ferber's point earlier, like this is a young team in some ways. And then some of the guys with experience are young in other ways. And I, I don't mean that in terms of like age. I mean it more in terms of like um, comfort level being in the in the, in the arena, right? Some of the some of these guys clearly like they they're still trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. And role playing for this specific program is paramount, right? Understanding who you are, but more importantly, understanding who you're not. And that's just not been like that light bulb has just not gone off for these dudes. And to some extent like it's it just sort of is what it is. And you're, I think you're the point you guys are making about the defense is because you're right. Cause offensively, like they're limited. And so even if you say to me, all right, Gertrude's going to start playing twice as many minutes per game, right? Well, you probably have to play three times as many minutes per game before you really get to a place where he's making a big enough impact where his, um, mis- the mistakes he's going to in- inevitably make are overshadowed. Right. In, in a lot of ways, the problem that I see with this team is that anything you do offensively to try to solve something hurts you on the other end and vice versa. And what that is at its most basic level is not a good roster, right? That's just not a well-constructed roster. And I would probably argue that this is none, none of this is news. Like this is something that they – a situation they were sort of forced into because of the way the guys were. And again, I go back to it earlier – I genuinely think that the guys they got were the guys they wanted to get. Sure, they you know they would have liked to have had maybe a guy or two otherwise, but these these are dudes that they sought to get for a reason. I think Rody is going his best basketball is in front of him, but that doesn't help this season, right? Groves, I think, is a known commodity. He's essentially a better version of BVP, um, and you're gonna deal with the highs and lows of that in terms of what he gives you, right? Losing Shedrick um, was 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 tough. Um, and I know I've talked, you know, before about like sort of where he was last year. I would still have taken at this point in the season, I would have taken where he was then, even as frustrating and as sort of was like, you know, Jekyll and Hyde as some of his games to games could be. 
you'd be better off to have that because at least that was somebody who gave you something that this team just doesn't have. And it means that Buchanan's contributions, he wouldn't necessarily be needing to play 23, 25 minutes a game, right? He'd need to play dramatically less. And what they asked from Groves would be dramatically less. And then what that pressure that that would put on Dunn. Like, imagine the help defense that Dunn could have if Shedrick was out there, right? Now, I'm not going to try to revise history. I'm not going to sit here behind this microphone and pretend like, you know, that the way last year played out and the way that sort of, you know, the way that it looked like it was going for him, uh, I'm not going to pretend like I didn't take had the takeaways I had. I still did, and I do. But in terms of this roster, like you couldn't, you know, it's 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 pretty obvious that like they really need a long, athletic guy that they could put in the middle, um, and have you know whether it, whether that guy is actually consistently contributing or not, it would give them an option that they just simply do not have right now. And defensively, they are they're struggling in a, in in a variety of different ways where. Essentially, if they don't create those blocks and steals, they don't get those extra possessions from that, they, they're in a world of hurt. And they can't seem to, to get the stops when they need them, um, in part because I think they're having a really they're really having a hard time staying in front of guys. And that's just historically not been something that happens to Tony's teams. Um, Homefield Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more this year. College basketball season ramping up, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Homefield. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Homefield has comfortable, thoughtful selections, not just for UVA fans, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So this will make a great gift option no matter who you pull for. Homefield's plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've got from the older UVA logos and such, and the quality of the stuff I've gotten from Homefield is second to none. In fact, the hoodie with the Cavalier script across the chest is my go-to no matter what I'm doing. Homefield products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. So don't miss this fall's hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CAVSCorner.com. Yeah, and I think, like, you, you mentioned, like, this isn't a surprise sort of in terms of, like, where the roster is and things like that. But that just kind of makes you wonder, like, what's the underlying issue? Um, like, are they are they missing, like, the one guy that they need because they – didn't get that guy or like something didn't happen that they thought was going to happen or are like, you know, we talk about referendums. The one area where I think there is maybe some referendum talk worth having is like roster construction. I would agree with that because like, I mean, we can talk about this being a blip. They went to the NIT two years ago. It's not a blip. (laughs) Like this would be two years out of three where you're not very good. And three years out of four years out of four where you didn't win an NCAA tournament game. Um, and that's, you know, like, I'm not saying you have to do that to, to be good. Like, they, they last year, I think they were pretty good. And I think the debate is, you talked about, you know, Caden being gone. And um, I think a lot of that was because of his reduced playing time. But it's sort of like a an interesting kind of sliding doors thing where it's like, did BVP playing give them a better chance to win last year? We don't really know because we can't see what it would have looked like if they just didn't play him at the five, like they were, um, did that give them the best chance to win last year? And, and they sort of like 
Caden kind of was like the expense of that, like his playing time. And then obviously that led to his like disillusionment and transfer. Um, or would they have been better off last year and this year if they just played him, you know, even if he's inconsistent. Um, and I think like, it's just kind of funny how like the Tony's very like, um, he sticks to the principles. He's going to play the guys he thinks are going to like do what he wants them to do on the court. And I completely respect that. That's a big reason that they've been so good. Um, but you know, it's like a guy can be inconsistent at center like Caden was and, and miss some things and make mistakes and have bad fouls. And he definitely did that. And he had some flash moments too, but like, is that worse than what we're seeing now? <laughs> you know, like what, like the five guys that we're watching play now, like they're, they're not consistent. Like, and that's sort of the outcome of like the way that the roster has been managed. I feel like, and you talked about like bond and Dunn like can't really play together like the way that they play. I mean, they're in the same recruiting class. <laughs> so, I mean, like how does that fit together with like the rest of the rock? You know, like I just feel like the pieces, like if they had a guy that was like a guard that scored 19 points a game, in addition to this, I think you'd have something. Yeah. Um, I agree with even that. with, even without having a big, but like, you don't have that. Um, and it just feels like the, I think in a vacuum, you can defend like pretty much every transfer addition that they made, even minor. Like I wasn't upset about that addition. Oh, um, yeah. but it's like they're, it's like, are you, I, I don't know. I just, I think you can. And, and, and like, I, again, I'm kind of rambling, but, people talked about NIL and I think that's a fine conversation to have, but like a lot of these like weird takes that they had were like before NIL. Like, I mean, that's I fair. just pulled, yeah, they've I been just, doing that for a long time. Right? Yeah. I mean, I just pulled the list like so after that Kyle guy class and we've probably talked about this before, but like the, uh, the recruits that they've, they've taken since the Kyle guy, Ty Jerome, Dre Hunter class, Badoki, Marco, Anthony, Caffaro, Kihei Clark, Cody Statman, Wolda Tensai, who was a Juco. Uh, Casey Morsell, Caden, Justin McCoy, Jabri Abdurrahim, Reese Beekman, Carson McCorkle, Tane Murray, and then the class of sophomores that they have now. Um, now, some of those guys were highly rated guys, and I think that's kind of the misnomer. People that think he Tony can't recruit. Like, he's won recruitments over big schools and, like, done a good job closing guys out. But it just feels like maybe the guys that they're going after – individually might be good players, but like, it's like not adding up to like a complete roster. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, think about I mean, this too. Like they, they, they get McCoy who chose UVA over Carolina and yeah, you know, we, we've seen where his career has gone. They get back to Carolina. Uh, Abdur Rahim. <laughs> right? He's, he's gotta be somewhere else. And now, then he right? bounces. He's, still playing. Um, he's yeah. in Hawaii. Um, it's, it's one of those weirdness where it's like they've, they've gotten kids they essentially like they've gotten two types of kids. They've gotten either the, the sort of flyer type kids, right? Dude, you're sort of taking a chance on that kind of thing. Um, and they've gotten guys who had offers and yet, but neither in the guys in both of those camps have not worked out. I, I think there's definitely in terms of roster management and in terms of talent acquisition, there's definitely some concerns between where UVA has, has put its, um, its scholarships, right? Um, I'm not. I, that's not to say that I, I I disagree with their recruiting or whatever. But there have been some dudes in terms of takes. Like think you guys mentioned that team that went to the NIT, right? So that year you had you had Gardner, you had Kihei, you had Beekman, you had Franklin, and um. Let's see, I went, I was on the wrong year. Gardner, Franklin, Clark, Beekman, Shedrick, 
and then just a bunch of dudes, right? Um, and Shedrick and Catfer were kind of like platooning. Yeah, right. So, but think about it. That team was, if you look at like the numbers in Kempom, right? That team was 85th nationally in adjusted efficiency offense and then in 59th on defense, right? They could not shoot at all. They, they couldn't shoot at all, right? <laughs> they were 247th in three-point percentage. Um, they were 248 in block percentage, so they got their shot blocked a lot, right? Um, they were one, one of the best teams in the country in terms of their assists to field goals made, right? So they're very good at at sharing the ball, but not very good at scoring it, which is, if you think about that, like, try to, try to like, wrap your mind around that, right? Defensively, one of their biggest issues was they gave up a very large offensive rebound percentage. Um, they also were, even though they were pretty decent at keeping teams off the free throw line, and they're pretty decent at their block percentage, you know, they were not very good at, you know, turning people over, right? Steals, um, or, or their non-steal turnover percentage or steal percentage, that kind of stuff, right? So, like, in a lot of ways, like, that team was, like, inconsistent enough. They were consistently inconsistent, right? They're undersized. They they don't have somebody who can create off the bounce. And... Didn't have a did, lot of recipes to be successful. Exactly, exactly. There was not a lot of, like, hey, here's what you can do, right? Why? Because they, they had a bunch of pieces, like, that were sort of, like, over top of each other, right? Where what were you gonna do with Cody Stabman or or Tane Murray or you know Carson McCorkle or Igor, right? Like you you were gonna ride with the with the dudes that you play and like whatever they do is what you get. That's kind of where they are with this group, it, with the exception that I think this group because of Gertrude especially you know playing and then if Harris is able to come back, of course at this point in the season like that's a long time for an ankle injury, right? Like I think, you know, we all can agree, like that's a long time for just a, you know, this is not a standard roll of the and, ankle. And right? I mean, maybe that helps you on the defensive end. Like, I guess it could, it could, it could, but, but then, then it's like, like that you're playing, like? you're playing a 26% three point shooter at the two. Like that's, and that's kind of where I think like, with just looking at the guys they've taken and, and again, some of this is Monday morning quarterbacking because I'm not going to sit here and say like I didn't like Andrew Rohde or somebody like that, um, even though his three-point percentage wasn't good. But like what I'm not seeing is like guys that have elite traits in two specific areas that can help you when you when things aren't going right. Shooting and athleticism. Yeah. Like the guy that can go get you a basket, the guy that can just do something at the rim, um, or the guy that just makes threes. And it's like they're taking guys that are kind of in between that, and what you're getting is thirty percent three right, point you're shooting. The, you're getting the low end of and the, not of enough between, athleticism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and 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 the thing that kind of stands out to me is like, and maybe this will be fixed next year. We'll see. But like, this would all maybe work, and we would and and the people we would still have some people complaining. But like, this would all still work if their defense was really good. If like, that's, hey, yeah. we're taking we're taking these guys like that's the Tony Bennett way. Like we're taking guys that other teams won't take, um, and we're gonna coach them up, and they're gonna play the scheme really well on offense, and like be efficient and do what we ask them to do. And teams are gonna get tired of defending it. And even if they're not the best shooter or the most athletic guy, we're gonna score a lot of points. But we're gonna be really good on the defensive end, and we're no, teams aren't gonna score on us. And that's the rest. You're gonna win a lot of games doing that, like the 2020 team did. I mean, that team, that offense was terrible. 
and they won a lot of games because teams couldn't score on them. Because they had the but number one defense in America. Either. But they're not doing that either <laughs> yeah. anymore, and they haven't had a good defense really since then. Like, I mean, they've been they've been good compared to the average college basketball team, but not like elite. Yeah, and that's supposed to be the thing that UVA is really good at. Yeah, they were top yeah, twenty-five I mean, I've got two takes last on, year and this year too. Go ahead, Dave. I've got two takes to hit you guys with. One about this year's team, and one like if there is an issue overall. We'll start with if there is an issue overall. I think Virginia, at some point, whether it's a twenty-one-twenty-one team with Hauser and, and Murphy, or or before that, in the last few years, Tony's become obsessed with having multiple guys. You know, five guys on the floor, if ideal four at least, who can shoot the three, right? You know, you know they've gone. Yeah, that's they've looked at modern. BVP. They've yeah. looked for Groves. They've, you know, yeah, the wing. Virginia's four. never had a good team with the four who can shoot. Like that's just not how it is. Virginia, where when Virginia playing in this system, and that's kind of where I'm going to give. If you're going to play pack line and do all this stuff, the only guys you're going to find who can play the four in the pack line and do stuff like Akil did or Mamadi did or or even Wilkins. Isaiah Wilkins did. Yeah. Those guys are going to cost you a lot of money. If they can shoot and do that, they're NBA draft picks, right? All right real Trey quick, Murphy. let me let me interject here, and, and I would argue that part of this is related to Tony and them coming out of the UMBC tournament and realizing they needed another ball handler on the floor, and that's why they got Kihei. So technically speaking, Dre played like 60% of his minutes, I bet. At the yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, to, yeah. to your point, like, your point's well taken. But if you think about it, the championship team actually had the inverse of that, which was they had an extra ball handler, and then they had three guys who could score, whether they were shooting, driving, or whatever. And they had the length athleticism in the post, right? But I wouldn't so call had, Dre a big. Like, Dre's not. I would also. I would also say. But he was playing. He was playing the other he forward was playing spot, it. though. Yeah, I would also. But say he's playing it because you had elite stands. guard play, right? I would also say Dave's point stands because that guy is an outlier. He was the fourth pick. No, in the draft. no, that, but that's yeah. but I think that underscores his point, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like they did do it once with a dude who was a lottery pick, and they won a yeah. championship because he was a lot. You know, like and that, if you look at you that team with Trey Murphy and Sam Hauser, you right? Know, that team in normal circumstances where they could practice normally, yeah, you know, without fair. COVID. Yeah, would have been fair. very good. But, my, but or I, if they I didn't think use that whole week of practice before the tournament. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess think my point, point is, is like if you're going to keep recruiting these fours and you know, if you're four and if you want your four to be a shooter, he's got to be elite. Better. He's got to be yeah. elite. That's like he, if he do not proven you can win without that. So it's much easier to go find a I'm not doing to bring him out cuz he's still playing but Henry Coleman, right? Like a guy who didn't think fits your new system. Henry like a guy like that's a lot easier to Henry Coleman would be a godsend for them. Right? He would be absolutely perfect for them, right? Because he would yeah. do all the little things. And I mean, real talk, ever since what, Isaiah Wilkins, they have not had that. They have not had the dude who just did all the little things. The guy who like instinctually just knows where he's supposed to be. Half the time these dudes are just sort of all all, you know, sort of discombobulated. And that's not that's I mean, I think if you if you know, the scrap is is Virginia basketball, right? To be able to have a team on a fast break and somehow manage to make them pull it out and run their offense. Like that is what, and like you're not going to get that routinely without dudes who have a good feel for where they're supposed to be on the floor, understand what who they are amongst each other, and are able to play the defense the way it's supposed to be played. But anyway, I'm sorry, yeah, we we're going to go to point. Look, if you can't get that guy because whatever nil recruiting is hard, there's not a lot of those dudes out there, you know, and you're going to get the Groves type, the BVP type. I think 
then the answer is you can't play the same offensive system you played when you had those guys. Because if you watch this team, they can't screen worth a damn. Yeah, and that's no, they, that's part yeah. of the issue that they like, have. I mean, the the reason the ball doesn't move is because guys are covered when they come off screens. It's so much standing no around, it feels like, yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I guess my point, like this, Ross, you, you got to figure something out. Like, you can you can keep your pack line defense. It's not going to be as good with that level of player playing the four, but it's going to be good enough to win you games if you've got a competent offense. But when you pair that up with an offense, you know, that relies on screening and you can't screen well and then the guy's not shooting, you're making shots, it's a whole different story. But, you know, I think – there's little tweaks you can make and you can't have you can't have both. But on this team, and I know y'all you guys just talked about it, but I think the best version of this team is going to involve Harris at the one because look, they're not going to score 70 points a game. And the issue I think they have now is they've got to take Reese off the ball sometimes. And Rhodey is just not consistent enough running the point now, especially against elite, you know, or against ACC pressure. And McNeely's not comfortable running it and it takes away you know, him coming off screens. Um, so I think if this team's going to be good, Harris is going to come back healthy and they're going to at least have two elite on-ball defenders at the front. And maybe that helps a little bit. And then you can get Reese off the ball so he's got a little more energy to attack more during the game. Um, but I, I, just, like, I just don't know what the upside of this team is, but I think the best version of this team involves a healthy Harris, which I never would have said five games into the season. Yeah. Because I think he's a little inefficient, but this team is – Inefficient, so you might yeah. as well have a good defender. I, I, I mean, po- go, ahead, go ahead. I mean, good. No, go for it. No, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, Dave, you're right. Like, like I think you talked about that 2021 team. Like, they went out and acquired shooting, and 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 in Murphy, a freak athlete, right? That's the two things like you need to win games. Like, and and obviously those guys don't grow on trees, and nowadays they're not free. Um, but. At the same time, like they're still out there. Like I'm watching NC State play with a bunch of. I mean, they're losing, but you know they've got some. Um, and you know they're not all like five star recruits either. Um, and also like back to the roster decisions and stuff. Like Trey Murphy was gonna redshirt. <laughs> like yeah, you know, and with he went like what fifteenth yeah. in the draft. But he had to, but he had to. He had to. He was Did a he? transfer. Yeah, oh, he was that's a right. Transfer. He, he got a waiver. That's right. Yeah. All right. I, I stand corrected on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but know, no, but no, but wait, hold on, back up. When he committed, like, that was the whole They fall weren't going to seek a, that's right. They weren't going to seek no, that, a waiver. The whole fall process yeah. was that, like, oh, he he's going to use a year and soak, which I mean, I think, look. And we, he agreed we, to that. So it's not like it was like, yeah, no, that was Tony's his, that fault. was his, you like, know, no, it just sort yeah. of happened that he would, that he would apply. Um, but no, I, I think that, like, you know, again, we can get into big picture, you know, redshirting da, 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 da. but like that's a really good point like you had you had like two generational sort of you know talents and dre and 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 murphy um one of them you won a national championship with right because the other pieces around it fit the other one you know because if you think like think about what that 2020 team was or that 2021 team i guess technically because they that's when they finished it but like hauser and murphy you had Clark and, and Beekman, and then they were trying to fit Jay Huff somewhere in there. But Jay Huff wanted to be a three. He wanted to be a three, right? He 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 certainly blocked a, sh- a lot of shots. So I'm not trying to pretend like that didn't happen. But like think of like the role players on that team, right? Morcel, McCoy, Wolda Tensai, right? Poppy. Beekman. Like like 
Well, do you think Beekman was a role player on that team? I think by the end he was playing a lot more, but like you know, he was kind of the guy for a while. Um, I mean, look, I I don't want to have. I mean, I'm trying to decide. I don't I don't want to make. I don't want this to sound as negative as I as as I'm worried it might. But like, we saw years and years of of Kihei and Reese playing together, and now we've seen this season of Reese being the guy. My problem, too, I think, with this team is, like, they need a guy who, I mean, and there are definitely times when Reese goes and he, he just, like, gets you a bucket, right? He's the only guy on this team who sort of can create for himself. But, like, you need more. I think they need more from him. And I know that that sounds sort of ridiculous because, I mean, my dude, is he's doing a lot, right? But They 100% all, need more. I don't think, I don't think but like, ridiculous. I genuinely don't, and, like, that that championship team where you had a point guard in Kihei who was not at that point a guy who you really wanted to shoot the ball much, like that's an anomaly, right? Because they had so much shooting elsewhere, right? And because, like, I don't know, go back and watch if you haven't lately, go back and watch clips of Virginia running offense with Kyle Guy, like, and and tell me that Virginia runs stuff even remotely the same, right? That kid. He he didn't just shoot well. He worked, man. Like he was he, running around. He was never he did get really good screen moving. set for him. Now, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's very fair. But my guy, he, everything he did, he did. He ran hard with purpose. Yeah. Every cut was like the end of the world. Like and they and they and that was a thing. Like you know, like even tied to some extent, right? Like you watch them play. Like everything is so full tilt right every motion is decisive everything is you know and so like i think that's really when tony was in his bag in terms of like you know the set they got more creative you know yeah and like what i'm seeing now is like offensively like dude just kind of pass and there's like oh there's gonna be a guy over here at some point it's not the same and again i know kyle guy is a very unique talent i'm not trying to say that um that you you know dudes like him just growing trees, but Isaac McNeely is very similar in a variety of ways. Maybe he's not quite Kyle, but he's something, right? And I just don't see a lot of what I saw then. And and you can't have a point guard who's not going to be a, a shooter in this day and age if you don't have shooters everywhere else, right? And like that kind of goes back to the philosophy piece of things, where it's like the most success you've ever had as a program was when you had multiple shooters and a lot of like athleticism right Kyle guy might not have been the biggest dude but he was he was an athlete right Ty might not have been the best athlete but he was so crafty that it basically rendered his yeah. lack of athleticism inert right and he was tall so and, he, and he had helped. good length and then of course you yeah. got Dre and you got Mommy and you know everything else um I don't think that necessarily like and I, I don't make that I don't make that comparison with the idea that like every team you should try to mirror what you had that season but I do think it's it's helpful to look at what you do have and wonder, like, what are your deficits? And you look at this roster and you're like, man, there's not a lot of, like, dudes that can create for themselves. The shooting on this team is is there, but it's weirdly limited. There's not a lot of, like, length to put on the floor in a variety of different ways. And you're asking a bunch of guys who have not been the dude that you that UVA needs them to be this year to be that dude that UVA needs them to be this year, right? Beekman and McNeely are the only two guys who realistically have played enough to have a sense of what they're supposed to be in this system, right? Even to some extent, Dunn, there are times where he's lost, right? There are still times when you can see the youth on him, 
right? We we think of him as being this like because of the uh, the sort of range of his abilities. We think of him as being this like piece that's always, but he hasn't. Like last year, you know, he played here and there. You know what I'm saying? But like this year is the first real opportunity for him to sort of carry um, things the way he has to carry them. But everywhere else, it's like a bunch of dudes, man. And like Virginia has not historically been successful when it's just been a bunch of dudes. Historically, Virginia has been successful when the pieces fit together, when the skill sets overlap, when you can, you know, you can play Braxton and Dre and Dre and Braxton. Like, again, I understand that, like, you can't compare. I mean, we're not talking about Ralph Sampson here, right? Like, you can't compare generational sort of talents. And so, yeah, they're not going to find another Dre or another Trey just floating around and they're just going to throw them in there. It's going to be great. But at some level, like the way the guys fit together has to matter more than it feels like this one did. Right. And look, they might come out Saturday in Winston Salem and you know, they've made some tweaks. Maybe Harris is playing for the first time since, since Thanksgiving. Maybe they look different. Maybe, you know, maybe it clicks. Maybe uh, McNeely can hit a few and, and, and it stretches the defense a little bit and they, and they make some real hay out of it. But like what we've seen and a lot of what we've talked about for the last hour is predicated on the fact that like a lot of what you've seen this year is very consistently what you've seen this year. You know what I mean? And there just aren't a lot of like easy answers for how you sort of write a ship when the pieces of the ship aren't necessarily making it float very well. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to call it individual players, but um, you know, Reese and Ryan, uh, I think they've had moments, but I think overall their season has been disappointing and it's hard for your two best players to, to not play above their, you know, what you wish for, or at, at least to that level. And for a team like this with so many new pieces to be good, not putting it all in their plate because the new pieces have struggled too. But, you know, Beekman's shooting, what, 27% or something from three? I mean, I think Kihei was a 35% career shooter. So that's Beekman was great, 35% you know? last year too. And, I mean, that was his best year, but, like, that shows you yeah. he's capable of it at least. Yeah, like, yeah and like I think that's my, that was kind of my point 5. with Harris. Maybe Beekman gets back to there if he doesn't have to be the guy running every freaking possession. Um, and he's also just not taking that many shots. So it's like it's harder to kind of get in a rhythm if you're just like not taking them. Yeah, to, the, to this point in the season, Beekman, is a, he's only made 11 threes all season. He's only taken 40. To put that number, in, you know, uh, mm-hmm. McNeely's taken 77. He's made 38. Yeah. Which is yeah. an outlier, by the way. People that are like, oh, they UVA runs into the hot team. Like, <laughs> but Isaac McNeely shooting like 70% from three for half the season is an outlier. Yeah, he's down to uh, 49.4. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's down to 50%. Yeah. What's funny is that Groves is making 40%, but he's only taken, he's only made 70, or excuse me, only made 17. I mean, that's actually really wild if you think about it, that, you know, McNeely's made 38 threes and the next guy has 17. I mean, the but I mean, that kind of speaks to the lack of balance overall. You know what I mean? So, um. So we should probably spend a couple minutes. I think Ferber might have accidentally fallen off, so maybe he'll join us mid-sentence here. Um, but let's real quick just touch on Wake um, and, the, and spend a couple minutes previewing this game. I'm not going to ask us to, to pick it. I think we would all pick Wake to win it um, at this point in the season. And certainly with where things have gone, Virginia on the road is not exactly the, the recipe for success. Now, again, they've been off all week. Um, really will be interested to see sort of what happens, um, what, what, if there are any changes, what those changes might be, 
even if they're subtle changes, how, how they might impact things. Wake is currently 23rd nationally in adjusted offensive efficiency, 94th in defensive efficiency. Um, it's a team that, you know, they're pretty solid in terms of their effective field goal percentage. They're pretty solid at keeping track of the ball. Um, one of the better three-point shooting teams out there. Um, one of the best teams in terms of getting to the free throw line and shooting a good percentage. Um, you know, they've, they're not very good at sharing the ball, it seems like. Um, defensively, not very good at uh, stopping teams from sharing the ball. So maybe that's something that might help UVA in this. Um, and then, you know, they have not been very good in terms of their three-point uh, defense either. So, um, you know, the the Reed kid has really changed things for them, though. Um, you know, he got – I guess he got approved to play. He played his first game against Rutgers uh, on December the 6th. So he's only played – in like half of their games to this point in the season, um, Dave. What are what's your general overall thought on on this game? Other than you just don't want to see him lose by twenty something. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to be confident, right? I mean, this team hasn't shown they can win on the road, um, and really, they haven't shown they can be competitive on the road yet. And uh, you know, if you look at Kim Palm and you believe in it, this I think they're right around. I think Memphis, yeah, they're right around Memphis forty four. Memphis is 44th and Ken Palm Wake Forest is 45th. Now they get there differently. You know, Memphis is a lot more physical, but look, you know, Winston-Salem's a tough place to win normally um, when you're good. You know, Virginia struggled there historically when they've had much better teams. So look, I mean, I think Virginia's going to come out. I'm hoping, you know, that, that 15, what, 12 to 15 minutes of defensive effort you saw to start the NC state game, you know, hopefully they can continue that a little longer. Um, Look, I don't expect to win. I wouldn't be shocked if Virginia won. Um, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but, yeah, I'm not expecting them to. I just think it's this team's got a little bit too much to overcome to to win a game against this quality, you know, against yeah. an equality opponent on the road. Yeah, Wake, I think at this point in the season, because the Reed kid does change things for them, um, I, you know, Hildreth is, is an interesting piece because – you know, he's so he, he kind of has a little bit of that Ty Jerome in him, his craftiness and such. Um, you know, the um, this I don't know if it's Salas or Salas. Uh, that kid, I think, also is a is a major sort of piece of the puzzle for them. Um, and I mean, honestly, you know, they went on that long winning streak. It's going to be really interesting now. They're coming off of a loss in Tallahassee um, to see what they do. They get. That was Tuesday night. They get until Saturday. Um, you know, it's a home game. The Joel, I'm sure, will be bumping. Um, or as much yeah, as the I think, you know, if you look at the conference as a whole, it's hard to win on the road tonight. It's been a little bit of exception with Louisville winning at Miami and um, NC, uh, Carolina winning at NC State. But overall this season, I, mean, I don't have the numbers, but I'm sure home teams are well over 80%, um, yeah. which probably speaks to, you know, teams having so much roster turnover and, you know, home crowd, home crowd supporting you. But, you know, if there's one thing bad about this schedule with this team is it's going to be hard for this team to get momentum um, if you believe that thing exists. But, you know, they don't have any road, you know, every Saturday on the road for, what, five more weeks now. You know, yeah. they're they third, get this this the week, third. they get Georgia Tech next week. Then the week after that, they're at Louisville. And the week after that, they're at Clemson. And the week after that, they're at Florida State. And the week after that, yeah, they I mean, play at I mean, home. It'd be really Wake. nice to have two back-to-back home games get a little momentum going, you know, but yeah. – um, get a little, little belief, but you know this team has to come home and play during the week at home, and which the crowd is always going to be smaller than a weekend, and then hit the road on the weekend where the crowd's going to be rowdier. So yeah, that's an interesting point, David. For a tough team. I had not seen, I had not really thought of that, but like 
they don't get two home games in a row until you get to February the 13th against Pitt and then Saturday, February the 17th against Wake. That is the only two games that they've got at home in a row throughout the whole conference schedule. That's pretty wild yeah. if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really wild. Um, I'm just going to randomly look at Duke's schedule and just tell you if, if that's true. <laughs> All right. There's a stretch in February where Duke has three home games in a row. All right. Right now yeah, they do have three away games in a row too, but you know there's a there's a plus and a minus into that. And then no, hold on, wait. So they've got two away games in a row that they just won, where they blasted Pittsburgh and they beat they beat Notre Dame. And then they're going to get two home games in a row against Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh again, right? And then in a few weeks, they you're right, they get two away games in a row. They get the three home games in a row. They get two away games in a row. Or excuse me, three away games. And then they're going to play two more home games in a row. So something that Virginia never happens, like they haven't had any of them all season long. By the time Virginia has its one, Duke will have like three. That's wild. But anyway, yeah. Ferber's back. Ferber, do you have any other additional thoughts on Wake Forest before we? Uh, what did I miss? We, you want to just go back over the last? No, basically, <laughs> put it to you like this: it is exactly what you thought it would. You think it'd be, um, but do you have any any uh, burning um, takes on on uh, on the Demon Deacons other than the day they're good, like their coach? I think they're good. I think uh, the Afton Reed edition was really nice. Um, yeah. I think, and the Salas kid's good. Uh, McGrath kid's good. Is that his name? Cam yeah. McGrath. I get that right. Hildreth. Hildreth. Why did I think it was McGrath? I don't know. Um, he just he does look like a McGrath. Though. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you know who he, he looks like. This is this is so perfect for this podcast. All right, you guys remember the Burbs with Tom Hanks? Yeah. You remember that movie? All right. There's that weird family or whatever. There's a redheaded kid. He looks just like that dude. I'll I'll, I'll check on that. Yeah, somebody somebody look that up. Put that put that in your call sheet. He looks um, like Jeep Wade. That's what he looks like. Wow, cold Jeep Wade. How is old Jeep these days? Um, but no, I think that's the basically game. that's basically exactly what we said for her, So good to know. But yeah, Wake and then the Tech. What that's the next two, right? So I was just complaining how we don't get two home games in a row to get any momentum going. Yeah, no Saturdays either. Um, yeah. Not but, either. yeah, well, also, like, their schedule, um, not to be an optimist, I think their schedule, like, the next, like, few games, this one's going to be tough. Uh, but after that, I feel like it's not terrible. Yeah. I'm not Until looking at it right now. Them. Yeah. But they have, like, they have like Tech at home, and then at Georgia I Tech. Say, they at Georgia Tech, very – I mean, they should – that's a winnable game if you have a pulse. And then they, they play Louisville on the road in there somewhere, and Notre they, Dame yeah. at home. They get Then they basically go back through there, so they get NC State, Louisville, and Notre Dame um, again. Y'all talking like Tech as a win? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, listen <laughs> – I'm well, JPJ UVA is the best team in the country. So, yeah. dude, yeah, let me JPJ. tell you what, Tyler Nickel, boy. Mm. Well, but no. I think Tech made thirteen three pointers tonight. Yeah, that's not a bad gig if you can get it. Yeah, because Padula made. Oh, shoot, I know yeah, Nickel Padula made like was, five. Padula was uh, Nickel six was of five ten for seven, three. and Padula was six yeah. for ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five, six of ten, five of seven, and then the Bar- Robbie Barron was two of three from three. Yeah, what's his face? Um, Pepper native Malik Brown currently has nine points and three rebounds. I think Couture got hurt or something. Yeah, he only played uh, 14 minutes in this game. But yeah, I'm not saying it's a win. I'm just saying it's a home. So you know, I still can't. The idea that. is that you could maybe you could maybe win some games in January. But that I mean, if they're gonna like make a run at the postseason, like they're gonna have to beat some teams that are decent. Like you yeah. can't just like be like, we'll just beat Louisville twice. Like you gotta beat NC State or somebody. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, I think that is a good place to put a pin in it. Um, we will see what these next two games uh, put on the um, put out there for us, and we will come back to you next week and discuss either why we're all idiots um, <laughs> for being worried or why we're still worried. Um, so either we're going to be right and it's going to suck, or we're going to be wrong and it's going to be good. Anyway, um, it's a fun dichotomy to look forward to in the future. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look at up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you haven't checked us out at the website yet, CavsCorner.com, we are open anytime. Lots of uh, people who are very worried as well. Um, I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatchCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Yeah.